Well, it's good to be back uh, with you, uh, church, as uh, we as we gather together today. We're going to start a new two-week uh, series uh, this morning um, as we as we meet as a, as a church these next two weeks. Um, but over the past couple of months, I've been noticing um, that the Holy Spirit is 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 teaching me uh, and leading me in a, in a in a certain direction. And the reason that I that I know that it's typical uh, of God uh, personally to lead me to something and then to bring it up over. Over and over and over again because I'm a little hard-headed up here and I'm a little slow right and so that's what it takes it takes repetition and, and it takes constant uh, reminding uh, of, of whatever it is um, that God's calling me to and so that's been no different um, over the past couple of, of weeks and, and months as as I as I've been walking um, it's it's th- these kind of things come up whether it's from kids books um, that I'm reading my kids at night. We read our, uh, certain devotional things, and, and it, it'll come up again, or whether it's conversations that I have with you. Um, but God just knows that I need more help than the average bear. And so the Holy Spirit it continues to remind me uh, of, of certain things. But I've noticed that there's a pattern in my life, and maybe this is a, a pattern um, for you um, a, as well, but it's a pattern of uh, kind of wishing away my current situation. And let me tell you what I mean by that. Kind of wishing away my current situation. It's this pattern of always looking forward to what's next. Have you ever been in that place? Like you're you're constantly kind of looking around the corner to see what's next and you get super excited and then you get there, you're super excited for about a day and then you start looking around the other corner to see what's next. And uh, maybe, maybe that's you, but I think every one of us experiences that at some point uh, in life, the next vacation, the next job move, if you're in the Air Force or, uh, or whatever it is, retirement, you can uh, name it. I think for me, thinking back, a, a couple of different reminders of this um, started probably in middle school, right? I can't wait to get out of this place, right? I can't wait to, 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 to move on to the next thing and to move up to high school. When I just get to high school, real life is going to start, right? Uh, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen in that place. And then uh, when you get to high school, you say the same thing, right? I can't wait to get out of this place. When I go to college or when I go to my first job, real life is going to happen there. And then uh, we, we experience uh, this as well, continuing on. And when I'm in college, when I get married or when I, when I, when I start that relationship, then finally real life is going to happen when I, when I move into that place of life, right? And then you have kids. And then you're, you're, you're excited or you're, you're in that place where maybe if we have kids, then, then real life will start then. And then when you do have kids, you just can't wait to get out of diapers. <laughs> like, I'm in that place right now. Like, please, Jesus, help me. All right? And then uh, when you get them out of diapers, then pretty soon you're like, oh, wow, what am I going to do with that extra room when they get out of my house? And, and it's going to be awesome. Right? And then you just, you continue. Like, is that a pattern that you go through, or is it just me? Right? We, we follow these patterns of life, and and then and, 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 and kids move out, and then when am I going to retire so I can fish all day, and I just can't wait for that day. It'll be the day, right? But then when we get there, there's always something else. 
Right? There's always, always something, something more, something else to, to look towards a, around the other uh, corner. And so over the last two months, um, I've been confronted by this idea of being present in the place that I am, of, of enjoying diapers. I don't know how that's possible, but I, it's been, it's been uh, put thrust upon me over and over again to be present where I am because baby Jack-Jack isn't going to be a baby much longer. And, and this present situation isn't going to last much longer, but I need to be present right here and right now. So the past two months, I've, I've actually read um, the, the majority of the New Testament. I, I, I like went to Stephanie's desk, and she has all these fancy like uniball pins, but they're colored, and I stole one. Don't tell her. But I stole it. I totally stole it. It was we're family. It's not stealing, right? <laughs> it's borrowing. But I like got on this kick that I'm going to go through my preacher Bible that I usually didn't underline. Some of you are like don't like to underline in your Bible, and but some of you do. So so like I got these. Now I can barely read my stuff because I've just underlined everything in colored in colored things. But but I got on this kick that I'm going to do this, and so it like really happened. And so every morning I spent a lot of time uh, over and over again. And, and, and I was confronted by this idea over and over again, but mostly through the Apostle um, Paul. And so as, as I began to read and continue to read the, these idea, this idea of, of living here and now came up over and over again in the Apostle Paul. So I want to share that with you this morning. So if you have your um, Bibles with you, uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, um, where we're going we're gonna to go these next two weeks and, and look at Apostle Paul in, in a couple of different situations um, where and how he responds to them and how he deals with the daily grind of life right the being present in the place that he is right now because we can all all agree that there's sometimes in life where it is awesome and we want to stay there for for a while then there's sometimes in life where it's just the grind right we're we're just we're doing it and and we're we're we're, we're getting through it but it's it, it's difficult so if you have your bibles with you let's uh, read this morning from first corinthians chapter uh, 15 starting uh, in verse 1 this is paul uh, writing to the church in corinth it says this now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on, on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firm to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I receive, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and he was buried and raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and, and to, the, to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though many have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach. And this is what you believe. The word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. 
Well, as we as we read this, um, I, I want to re- re- remind you, and and as we as we read the first part of that that verse, we're going to save that for Easter because it's good, right? And it talks about the resurrection. But I, I wanted to start with that place to to just remember Paul's message. Like this is this is the the gospel that is on Paul's lips like constantly. He is one that is is spreading the the gospel of Jesus everywhere he goes, every person that he comes in contact with. And so I wanted to start there. I didn't want those verses to feel left out, right? But I also wanted to to help us to see the bigger picture of Paul as well, that that this is his message now, but it hasn't always been that way, has it? Uh, We we see at the bottom uh, of those verses there in verse 9, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church uh, of God. Paul, formerly Saul, was right. He's a bad dude. In fact, he was incredibly intense in, in persecuting the people uh, of Jesus. And we go through the book of Acts, and the first time that we're introduced to, to, to Saul is, is in Acts chapter 8, um, where uh, Stephen is, is, being, is, is, is becoming a martyr, right? He's being killed. And it says that Saul is there, and Saul is one that approves uh, of the death of Stephen, the execution of Stephen. That people were, were looking to him for approval to, to kill this guy, to kill uh, the, this disciple of Jesus, this messenger right there. It's our first introduction uh, of who Saul is in, in chapter 8, verse 3. And, and then it goes on to chapter Acts chapter 8, verse 3, and it says, Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Saul becomes like this rogue dog the bounty hunter, so to speak, right? Like he's like kicking in doors. This is not this wait around to maybe catch somebody at the border or or to to find out and and hear about this and maybe see you out in public. Like he is actively and, 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 and actively asking to go after the people that believe in Jesus. He's not messing around, right? He he's not he's not playing around at all. He was not a good dude, and he clearly outlines that in his his message there. This is, I'm the, the least to be called this because I was not good. I did these things, but, I like, I like that part, but, in, in verse 10 that we just read, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. Saul has this encounter with Jesus, an intersection on the road to Damascus, and he is changed. He has that but moment, Right? I was this way, but I met with Jesus, and now I'm this way. This is the the story of many of us this morning. I was not good. I'll be the first to admit that. I was not good. There were some things that I participated in that were not good. We probably all say that, right? We've all fallen short, but... I like that part, that transition. I'll dance for you today if you want me to, right? <laughs> like, but, and this is the, the intersection with the God that, that loves us immensely. There's the, the transition, I was not good, but when I met Jesus, things changed. 
God's grace was, was brought into my life. So we see this picture of, of who Paul is when he writes this, that he, he's writing the, this church and he, he's sharing this gospel message that's on his lips constantly. And, and he's, he's an incredible uh, advocate uh, for, for Jesus. He goes anywhere and everywhere and he's always constantly has, has Jesus on his lips. But it was not always that way. Sometimes I think it like in the Instagram age, like I, if I want to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, I think that I can go to the gym for six weeks and it's just going to happen, right? It doesn't happen like that. This is, a, this is a, a process. Paul is brought into discipleship. Paul doesn't automatically start preaching, right? Remember that? Remember Saul's conversion story? He does not automatically go out and he's, you know, like super Christian. This is a process. God has, has brought him through many things to shape and, and to teach him. But now we have this picture of, Saul, of Paul, who he is, but also of where he's been and the grace of God that's been active in his life. I wasn't in a good place, but by the grace of God, I am what I am today. By the grace of God, I am what I am today, and His grace to me was not without effect. A.K.A. it did something, right? It moved me. It called me forward. It, it, it cleansed me. God's grace is, is active in my life. It's not a cheap grace. That we just use the grace finds us and covers us and we're cool. But it's a grace that actively calls us forward into this life with Jesus. Grace has effect. It changes him from the inside out. And he is good. God is good because he continually leads us. We continue in our verse and he talks about this working harder. Now, first time you read this. I, where, where he says that, that I worked harder than anyone, right? But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, right? And yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. If, if you look at this right at the beginning, um, you kind of look at it as a humble brag. You guys know what a humble brag is? Like hashtag humble brag, right? Like... Like the little meme that says, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm kind of a big deal, right? That's like a, like a humble brag, right? At first, at first glance, it looks like that, 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 okay, you worked harder than everybody. Congratulations, right? Like, all right, we're going to take note of this for you today, Paul. But, but he goes into this, and if we break down what's just happened, he says that he's not good, but by the grace of God, he, he is transformed, he is, he is changed continually, he's continually invited down the path to follow Jesus and to walk with Jesus, and because of Jesus and Jesus' love and his sacrifice, he works hard. Right, Because of God's love and because of God's grace and because of God's grace that empowers him, he works hard. He gave of himself. But it wasn't just Paul working and doing the hustle. Remember we talked about that before. We don't hustle. Like we, we work hard, but it's not just about all the stuff that we do, but it's about God working through us. That his grace works through us as we interact, as we love, as we go in action and go in peace. God's grace empowers Paul to do the things that God calls him to do. 
So we can kind of put the humble brag aside because it's not all him, right? There's a, a preacher that I listened to that told the story of his, his first sermon. And if you've ever preached before, you know that people are very gracious when it's your first sermon, right? Like, I think my first sermon was maybe 11 minutes, and I talked really fast, right? And it, I, I, I remember one before that. I was on a, on a mission trip, and, and we were, I, I, it was my night to do the, like, sermon devotional. And I was in front of uh, about 20 people in our youth group, and I can't remember where it was, maybe Chicago. But I'm doing my thing. I've got a little podium. I've got my Bible, and I'm taking my shirt off and on, like my buttons. <laughs> and I didn't even know it. Like, I'm just doing it, right? But when, when you preach for the first time, people are really gracious because they, they know that you're trying, but you're really awful, but they still love you, right? That's how it works. They try to help you. They don't want to discourage you. And so I heard this preacher say, um, a, a guy, he was 16, he preached his first sermon, and a guy came up to him after church and, and said, you know, son, you, you did a good job today. Thank you for bringing um, the word. And he felt this, this need, and I felt this too, and, and I now have, uh, have a, an, another response. But you, you kind of feel this need to be spiritual. You just can't say thank you. Right? And so he says that but the young man, after he preached, the guy comes up to him, he says that, and he says, well, uh, thank you. It wasn't me. It was all God. <laughs> right? <laughs> and the old man says, oh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> right? Right? We have this, this thing. It's not all, all God. But we, we partner. God is empowering. If it was all God, it would have been absolutely amazing. But here's Paul, and he is, he is changed and transformed by the grace of God. He is, he is an incredible ambassador of Christ. He is doing passionate and, and, and deep work, and not just a little bit of work, intense giving of his life so that others might know Jesus over and over again, day in and, and, and day out. Have you ever worked with somebody like that? Not necessarily in the church world, but just in work. Like somebody who like really enjoys what they do and they're a little bit crazy about it, right? I, right when I was reading that um, earlier this week, um, a guy named Carl popped in my mind. I had my first real job at a true value um, hardware store in my hometown, and it had a separate lumber yard. And so I went to, to work at the lumber yard, and there were two guys that worked there, Carl and Dennis. And Carl and Dennis were rough, rough dudes, um, but they kind of took me in under their wings. They, like, I swear I didn't even know what a two-by-four was before I started working there. And they taught me everything. They taught me how not to lose all my fingers at the saw that I had to use. They taught me how to drive like a big dump truck, flatbed dump truck. And, 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 it, was, and it was awesome. But I really got to know uh, Carl and, and Dennis. And, and uh, the summer that I, that I worked there, uh, after, after work during the summertime, I would just go to their house with them and hang out with them. And they had a tradition of every night after work, they would buy massive amounts of beer, and they would go to the house, and they'd play chess together, chess that they learned how to play in prison because both of them had done significant amounts of time. And, and so I would just go hang out, and they were kind of mechanics, and so I'd tinker on my car, and my mom hated it, right? I was 16 years old, and I'm hanging out with these dudes at their house like every, every night, and, and I'd just go over every night. This is what, what I did. It became a pattern. I love them, and they love me, and we just kind of did that. 
And, and so uh, as I as I w- would go over there and 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 do that because I had all the freedom in the world with a 1989 Honda CRX that Mom didn't have the keys to, right? I'd go over, I'd tinker on stuff, but I'd also listen, and, and I listened to their stories. Some stories were will make you blush, right? And 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 I listened to and I learned a lot from them, mostly of what not to do in life. Uh, the preventative grace of God was active in my, in my heart in those moments. But I also learned that the owner of the true value um, had some pretty substantial grace that he had given to Carl. Carl had gotten in trouble with the law, and, and, and the owner could have easily said, um, absolutely not, you'll never work here again. In fact, you probably won't ever work anywhere in town, but he didn't. And he said, Carl, I love you, and I want you to have a place here, and so I'm going to let you keep your job, but I I want you not to do whatever it was again. And so I watched Carl, and I I watched him day in and day out, and he was super excited to go to work at the lumberyard. Like, that's just what he did. Like, that's what he he breathed, and that's what he, he lived. Like, he'd go early and sweep everything up and get everything ready and make the coffee and do those things. He'd stay late to make sure everything was locked up and everything was organized so the next day would be good. He'd, he'd think about, you know, what it is to run a lumberyard business and who he could call to make some more sales. And, and he would read through the manuals. Of, I remember seeing him at the front desk reading about doors. And I'd say, Carl, how much do you need to know about doors, right? But he'd read about doors and windows and and shingles and insulation so that if you came in and you needed it, he could help you. And, and he was constantly learning something new. And, and I had about 175 pounds on him. He was a small dude, but he could, he could lug sheetrock better than I could, right? He was, he was passionate about it, what it was to, to work at the lumber yard. Carl was all in. He was there. He was, he was present, the, 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 the grace that the owner had showed him had motivated him in, in ways that I would never be motivated to work at a lumberyard like. He was excited about what he did. You ever worked like, with someone like that? Someone who, who's excited that, that? I just imagine just a little bit that Carl was, was a little bit like Paul. Paul's grace-fueled passion that God empowered passion and direction to live out his calling and the everyday grind in the normal stuff, but also in the, in the difficult stuff. I imagine Paul laying in bed and thinking and, and praying about what might come next, handing over those anxieties that came because you know they did. That when everybody else was, was running from the work of, of spreading the gospel, he was there and he was present. When it wasn't comfortable or it wasn't fun, he was the pioneer that went first. Because Paul knew that living for Jesus was not about comfortable. He woke up early and stayed up late doing the work. He loved the unlovable. He was beaten multiple times to the inch of his life, and yet he still got up. He was shipwrecked, and he still kept on. He was bitten by a snake, and he just shook it off. Like, what's her name? Who sings that song? And he continued to go. Sorry, that was not in my notes. But this is Paul, right? Like, he is all in. He is passionate about what he does. And it's grace-fueled. He he says that that we didn't do this in vain. That this grace makes change. And this grace impassions me. 
This is Paul who later wrote to these same people in chapter 10, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink, they're talking about drinking and sacrifice and food. But, but it continues, whether you, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do it all, everything, all for the glory of God. All things. Paul finds himself in prison. And yet, he's still living for Jesus where he is in that present moment, not wishing away his present situation, which I'm sure he could have. But he's, he's right there suffering for Christ. I was talking to some, I don't I can't remember what, how this conversation came up or who it was, but you have to come tell me later. But I went to visit a, a guy in prison one time in Missouri, and, and it was visiting hours, and there was an outburst in the thing, and I'm sitting there as, with my little preacher Bible, just a good boy, right? And, and the, the guards came out, and they brought out this horrific chair thing that had all these straps and buckles on it, and they picked this man up, and they put him in the chair, and they put this like net thing over him so he couldn't spit at people, and they wheeled him away. And I remember I was like 29, and I, and I said right there, if I, if I, it wasn't clear about it before, but I will never ever go to prison. It was like my scared straight moment, <laughs> right? Like it was what happened. Because I just can't imagine being in that situation. And now I, I see Paul here who's been in that situation multiple times that I guarantee was rougher than the cute little chair with the net. Right? And, but yet he doesn't run from, from this place. He doesn't run and, and try to escape from, from these things that he, he finds himself in. Yet he lives for Jesus where he is. He's loving people and sharing Jesus with the people around him in prison. When Paul's in prison, he's not just chilling out watching TV. He's asking if the computer lab's open so he can write a, a letter to the church in Philippi. So he can encourage them and, and let them know that they are loved and to continue in, in, in the faith. Well, I'd be this bubbling mess, scheming of how I could buy some cookies in the prison commissary, crying myself to sleep every night, wishing that I was on the beach somewhere, or just home. We have a man who, who knows what it means to, to, to be present where he is and to live in the daily grind. Maybe not a grind that anyone would ask for, but it's where he is right there and right then. So if you'll look at this with me through a different lens this morning, Paul, notice that Paul is not one that wishes his current situation or his current season away. Wherever he was, he was all there. Whatever he's doing, whatever's in front of him, he's going to live for Jesus in that moment. He's going to do good for the glory of God, empowered by the grace of God. When he's in prison, he doesn't say, man, when I get out of here and when things are all settled, then I'm going to live for Jesus. He says, oh, I'm here right now. I've got a captive audience. I'm going to tell them about Jesus. I'm in this place. I'm going to do whatever God calls me to do. When he's flogged and he's beaten and he's disfigured because of his witness for Jesus, he doesn't just shake his fist at the heavens and say, God, why did you do this to me? No, he, he knows that following Jesus isn't something that's really comfortable. Even Jesus said that he would be persecuted because of him, but he stitches up his wounds. And grace-filled, he continues to share the love of Jesus. 
when his buddy Barnabas and his ministry partner turns on him. He didn't say and walk around and say, all Christians are, are fake and losers and I'm fed up with it. I'm leaving the church because I'm angry and I'm not going to go there anymore because you hurt my feelings. No. What's he do? He says that there's work to be done. I'm going to continue in the way that God has called me in this place. And I'm not going to be bitter and I'm going to forgive. And I'm not going to let this sideline me because we've got work to do. When he went into a place that they didn't like him and they ran him out or they tried to kill him within seconds of arriving. Imagine what a hospitality of some of these places that Paul went. He didn't, you know, put up billboards and say, you should believe this and, and, and how dare you. But he shook the dust off of his feet and he went to the next place as Jesus taught his disciples to do it. Because he, he's passioned and, and he's fueled by God's grace. He remembers God's grace in his life. Paul shows us and gives us an example of what it looks like to, to live for Jesus. But not just live for Jesus when things are great, but to live for Jesus when the, the daily grind of life is upon us. The good, the bad, the normal. Where am I in my mind, in my heart, in my life? Am I present here or am I looking for the next best thing? Have I found myself in that pattern or, or am, I, am I all in right here and right now? Empowered by God's grace determined that I'm going to allow God to use me in anything, to go wherever he calls me. Verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. It brought about something in me. As I begin to read, and, and as you continue to, to read through the New Testament, you know that Paul walked through some crazy stuff. And, and Paul was empowered to walk through some incredibly hard times and some, some, some things that, that we will probably never, ever, ever know, thanks be to God. But all this stuff, all these incredible things that, that Paul's done and walked through uh, has, has allowed him and shaped him into the person he, he is when he writes this. I am who I am because of God's grace. I am who I am because I said yes to God's leading and God's grace sustained me as I walked through those things. If, if my tendency, I'll speak for myself here, is to, to not get messy and to not step in and to, to, to pull back and to, to, to be hesitant about God's call on my life, then I'm not going to learn those lessons. If I spend all of my life avoiding those things, then I'm not going to step in the places that, that God has empowered me to step in. If, I, if, if I'm always in my bubble, then I'm not going to step out in God's grace to learn those things. I miss the opportunity to trust more. I miss the opportunity to learn the things that I need to learn. I miss the opportunity to shed my selfishness at times. I miss the opportunity to, to humble myself and to ask, would you please forgive me? That was really dumb. I miss these things. I miss out on, on God's grace when I play it safe. Thankful for Paul's 
example here and now. Well, as the band comes to help us close this morning, I want to ask you a couple of questions that the Holy Spirit's been asking me. And remember, I can't lead you to places that I haven't been. And so I'm sorry. Well, I'm not sorry. I'm sorry, not sorry for the hard questions, for the things that that, that God's been bringing up in, in my life. So remember the beginning. I asked you if you wish away your, per, your, your, your present moment for something that's big in the future, that kind of mindset. The question is this, have I given into the false narrative, the false story that what is yet to come is the best thing? Have I, have I given into that, that, that this place is not good, but what comes next will be, will, will be what, I, what I need and it will satisfy everything for me, or I can finally live when that happens, or things will, will, will be better than have I bought into that? And if I have, there's the next question, which is, comes with a warning because it's dangerous and super uncomfortable. But what am I wishing away right now that God wants me to lean into? What am, I, what am I wishing away right now that God wants me to lead into? That God wants to, to empower me to walk through? That God wants to, to come alongside of me and provide enough grace to, 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 to be sustained in, in whatever it is? What am I wishing away right now that, what, that God wants me to lean into? So as we sing this morning, as we reflect on who Jesus is, as we talk about and remember his grace, may the Holy Spirit call to mind these things. Dear Lord, we thank you for Paul. We thank you for his, um, his witness to you, the ways in which he follows you into places that we can't even imagine. Thank you for the ways he leans into your grace and his everyday, ordinary life, in that daily grind, whether it was good or was bad. So again, we ask you this morning, we ask ourselves, what am I wishing away right now that you want us to lean into? Though we pray that your Holy Spirit would, would bring about whatever this is. May we, we not shy away thinking that uh, we need to do huge things or, or, or incredible things. Maybe it's just a conversation. Or maybe it's, uh, it's just uh, something we need to give up. Or, or maybe it's a relationship or whatever it is. Lord, would you empower us through your grace to not only live through or make it through, but to thrive because we are walking with you. Lord, we love you. And we're thankful that your grace has effect on us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please extend your hands for the benediction as we go today. May the, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ empower you to lean into whatever God's calling you to. To not walk away from your everyday, ordinary grind, wishing it away, but leaning into God's grace. May you go from this place and go in action and go in peace. You are dismissed.